Newton's Nuggets. Hello everyone, welcome back to Newton's Nuggets. This is that show where I sit here in a black shirt, a grey trilby, and if I'm really cold, I'll put the jacket on as well. I've got my mate with me, Jesse. Say hello, Jesse. Hello, Jesse. Yeah, I love that bit. Today, we're talking to the lovely Cheryl Andrews of Step by Step Listening. Now, Cheryl is a coach. She helps business owners. She helps individuals. She helps mums with relationships with their daughters. Do you know what? She is genuinely one of life's nice people. I love talking with Cheryl. Um, Jesse had heard of Cheryl already, which is a bit random, wasn't it? Yeah, it was random. So my, some of, a couple of my best friends yeah. are also friends with her as well. Yeah, and, and not just acquaintances that know that. She goes over to their house for oh, dinners yeah. and that kind of thing. She well, she her, used to. Her close friends. Um, and did you say you've got one of her books as well? Um, so I, um, Tom's literally not that long ago just given me her book to read because he thought I'd find it interesting. So, um, yeah, so it's on my my reading list. It was only Isn't last that minute that I put two and two world. together. I was like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. <laughs> And this is it. And we've always we've always kind of made a point of most of the guests are a surprise to you and you don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And then I get a guest on and you've literally been given her book recently. Yeah, that is just awesome. I love that. I love that. Right. So Cheryl's here to have a chat with us today. Um, I, I love Cheryl to bits. I love what she can do. I've seen the effects of some of her work with people. And and she will say as blatantly as possible. It's all about listening in the right way. So what we're going to do now is we're going to switch to an advert and straight after that advert, we're going to go into the interview with Cheryl Andrews of Step by Step Listening. This advert is all about Aeris Consultancy. Now, Aeris, uh, they're a great bunch. I, I mean, I've met and spoken with the owners, Stuart and Dev, and do you know what? They have a specific set of skills that turn confusion into strategy where your cyber security is involved. Good, huh? But you know what? I talk to a lot of businesses about security and about cyber and about how muddied the waters are, where GDPR is concerned and where so many regulations are. It just gets difficult for anyone to manage and to understand. Aeris have a way of pulling you out of the mud and making this understandable again. Seriously, if you need any help, please go to aeris.com and talk to Stuart or Dev. Uh, tell them that I sent you. Tell them that you know me. They will love helping you out. They really are a great couple of guys. Go and have a look at aeris.com. We'll put the website up on the screen to make it easy. See you later. Newton's Nuggets. Hello, everyone. Right. Uh, as I said, today we've got Cheryl here with us, and Cheryl is lovely. I've known Cheryl for a little while now, and she's just one of those people that somehow she manages to kick me up the backside in a really nice and positive way. Um, she's she, Honestly, she is one of life's lovely people that will try and help anyone. And actually, you know what? I'll let you in on the secret. She's helped us with the book. She's that nice that she is one of the people that gave a, gave a pledge to Crowdfunder just to make sure we actually got off our backsiders and did some work. 
it's amazing. It really is amazing. Ladies and gents, I'm going to introduce you to Cheryl. Cheryl, say hello to everyone. Hi, everybody. Yay. Right, Cheryl. Um, so, exactly as you took the mic out of me earlier when we weren't recording. Who are you? What's your name and what do you do? I'm Cheryl Andrews. My company's called Step by Step Listening. And what do I do is I listen to people for a living. <laughs> See, that's lovely. See, that's the kind of job that I think is, is just right and should be done. Okay, you listen to people. Why do you listen to them? What are they trying to get out of it? Usually people come to me because they're frustrated or in overwhelm. They've probably talked to loads of people. Yeah. And they get to that point where the talk, you know, sometimes when you talk to somebody and, you, and they say something and you just feel instantly better. But these have talked to loads of people, lots of times, lots of different people. They might have even paid for counseling. They might have even gone to other coaches. They've talked to professional people, unprofessional people, and they are—they feel better for a little bit, but not permanently. And they don't understand why. And they're desperate to be heard and understood. And usually, the challenge they've got is that they're talking without listening to themselves. So they're doing a lot of venting but not actually listening to what they're saying. So my job is to reflect it back and actually use their words exactly and their gestures so they get to hear themselves, so they understand themselves what they mean by what they say, which then makes sense of why they get the reaction and responses that they do. See, I knew this would happen on this one. You've already said one sentence that's made me go, oh my God, that's powerful. Because so many people will moan about stuff or will say things and then we won't, think about what we've just said and we won't work on it and we won't bring it back and go well actually I could do this and then I could do this. that's awesome right I have had a yeah I, I've had a look at some of your case studies and I've had a look at some of your work as you probably guessed um but the range on your case studies I mean I <laughs> love it um I don't think there's enough case studies on your website but the range of case studies is brilliant I mean, from, from you've got one lady on there that, that pointed out that you helped her with a relationship and, and she was in a stifling relationship. You've got one lady on there who says that you literally took her from, a, a, you know, a sole trader, one person business to a business owner. She could see herself running a company. Um, so why step by step? What made you start doing this? Um, well, the truth is I signed up to for coaching diploma in May 2006. I was a, a Slimming Well consultant at the time, and I was motivating people to take action and getting fascinated by people that would, I'd had about, th about three or four years in, I'd, I had loads of people lost loads of weight, really great successes, and then that, they'd come back again, having gained the weight and more weight on, and I was like, mm, there's more to this than standing here motivating people and talking to people and telling them what to do. Um, and I was spending more time behind the scenes having conversations with people about things like, so how do you reassure your husband that now he's skinny and confident you're not going to leave him? How do you get your kids and your partner to eat the same food as you because you've decided you want to change, but they didn't want to change? So I was having all these conversations behind the scenes with people and I was like, oh, I don't have the tools for this. I've been trained for the, the motivating and the weighing and the accountability, but not for these conversation kinds of things. So. I went off on a journey in May 2006 on a coaching weekend to find out about coaching. I did the one weekend that weekend and it absolutely blew me away. I got, I had somebody listen to me for two minutes and I was, I was supposed to tell them something I was really proud of. And as I'm talking, I'm telling them all about 
the fact that I've left my husband, it's this 2000, I left him in 2003 about you know, going through all of that experience. And they had to describe me in one word afterwards. And they described me as courageous. And I remember like feeling completely overwhelmed because that's not how I saw myself. That wasn't my experience. Even when you were describing me at the beginning of this thing, I'm like, I'm trying it on for size going, is that really me? Um, but now with a bit more confidence and a bit more awareness and listening to myself, I can start to, when say people say nice things about me, I can recognize it's who I am. But in that moment, what I was actually saying out loud was not what I was thinking. I was thinking I failed as a wife. If I'd been a better wife, I would have kept the marriage going. It was all my fault. And so what I was saying as a proud of moment wasn't what I was thinking. And when she gave me that feedback, it was just absolutely, it was, it was a pivotal moment where it really changed things for me. When someone was listening to me to give me feedback about the stuff that was completely outside my awareness. And in this case, one of my strengths or things that I was displaying as behavior that I didn't recognize. Um, and so that sent me on a journey to find out more and start to do the training. And we had up to two years to complete the diploma. And sadly, as a result of it, I realized one thing I did need to do is get my ex-husband out of my house. So coaching allowed me to have the courage to, Scott, he used to come in at 6.30 in the morning and at 9.30 at night with the key, creep in up behind me at the kitchen and go, just to remind you, I still own half your house. And I was like, I don't really like this anymore. I need to have some more control over this. So I actually became an area manager for um, Slim and Well. So I went back on a salary so I had the money to be able to buy him out. And that meant I was working with 25 franchisees now helping them to grow their businesses. Um, and that's where the coaching really started to help. However, the last, I did it by accident while I didn't set a business off on purpose. The last module of this course said how to set up a business. And so I just did as I was told. I'm a really good girl. I, I conform and I just followed the last module. And the next thing I know is I've got a business. And I've also reached burnout in my corporate job in the area manager. And so that's how I accidentally got the business. And they said, you have to niche. So I thought a really good thing to do would be become a mums and daughter relationship coach. Nice. That's, that's, that's a massive journey. You've just covered a massive journey in like three or four minutes. I did that's... warn you, if you don't give me any structure, you're going to get the whole of everything I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's fine. That is fine. Because do you know what? If we run out of time, you're coming back for episode two. Okay? We're doing Sharon Andrews episode two. It doesn't matter. Because let's be honest, me and Jesse are in charge of this. There's no rules. Okay? There are no the rules. thing about being your own boss. You can make it up as you go along. <laughs> Do you know what? It's a lovely thing and it's a dangerous thing, isn't it? it? Because follow if you haven't got some guidelines, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and when you consider my only real boss is the mortgage and the bills that have to be covered, you know, play Xbox, do some work. Play Xbox, do some work. It, it's not as easy as people. I swear, some people go, oh, "I'd love to be self-employed and not have to do anything." And it's like, no, you have to motivate yourself to do the things that you didn't want to do for your boss. Interestingly, I think a lot of the people I work with, they end up doing more of the work. They, they um, because life is difficult, Yeah. they get caught up in, the work is a good way of distracting them from, they're not really living. And so if life's tough, whether it's teenagers or partners or whatever it might be, elderly parents, often they, they get pulled into the work because the work gives them a break from the other stuff. And then that's where I spend a lot of time now helping people to resource themselves to actually have some time doing something that's not for anybody else other than just to bring you joy. 
otherwise you do tend to stop you stop enjoying and the working and you can stop enjoying with people you really love yeah it's not always much fun when you're miserable tired and stressed but do you know what i uh jesse does know this i don't know if the people listening to this know this but i had to go through counseling quite a few years ago because of a scary horrible breakup um and it was weird because even though the counselor said some of the things that my closest buddies would say when it was from somebody who didn't have an emotional attachment to me, I took it more seriously. Mm. Because when, you, when your mates say to you, you're doing the right things, you've done everything you possibly could, you kind of go, yeah, but you're just trying to make me feel okay. When, when someone who was pretty much a stranger went, seriously, Paul, you've done everything that a good person could. What else could you really have tried? Then you go, Oh, uh, maybe you're right. Yeah. And it is amazing. It is amazing. And, and I love that you you are helping people break down massive barriers. And the, and the thing to say is when you talk, mention about counselling is I'm, I'm a coach. So a lot of what coaching is about is asking people questions that help them to think about what they want to have happen. If what's happening now is not what you want, what would you like to have happen instead? And helping create some strategies to get from where they are to where they want to be. And when we want something to change, what I learned over the years is that coaching is great, but there's actually about eight different kinds of listening. But I, my job, I think, is on the planet is to listen to people, help them understand what the problem is and help them understand what kind of support they really need. And sometimes it will be me as a coach. They want to be solution driven. They want to be forward facing. They want to find solutions. But sometimes they do need a counsellor. They need to be able to go back over the stuff that hurt. We need to grieve. We need to be able to talk about when we're angry. We need those sort of observations. That's not that they can't do it with me as a coach. Yeah. Because they will do that. We, we have that vulnerability and they share those things. But there is often a time when you are in pain where you need to tell that story several times. And what tends to happen is our friends with love and compassion listen, but they tend to interrupt with, yeah, but you're okay. And, and they kind of, they, they cut the story short. And we never quite get the whole story out. So that's when you go to a, a professional listener. They're not going to interrupt the story. And counselling works usually until you get to that point where you're sick of telling the story. But people often see counselling as not working because nothing changed. Well, it did change because now you're sick of telling the story and now you're ready to change and go forward. And I really want to get it out there because people often measure these things. But it's you that's telling the story. So if you're not listening to it and you're not happy with it, it's you that's got to change the story. And people are going to listen to you in lots of different ways. Um, sometimes we're actually talking not because we want someone just to listen. We want them to do the DIY task that we're expected to describing to them. We actually want something done afterwards. Sometimes we want questions. Sometimes we need feedback. But most of us start talking without knowing what kind of listening we need and then complain because the other person hasn't listened properly. Um, but they, the world's going around with no awareness that there is all these different kinds of listening. And I have a phrase that, you know, chat with purpose. So if you're talking, you have to take responsibility for knowing why you're speaking. If you're I not getting that. I love that chat with purpose. Um, that, that, oh, that's awesome. OK. Right. What often happens on these shows, and, and I swear it's because of the, the quality of guests that I get on here, is I will, I will bullet point some questions that I want to ask, okay? And they're questions I've got set up and ready, and that I know the guest can answer. But the amount of times, and you've done it to me again today, okay? 
I have questions and I don't warn you about them, but I don't care about the question so much because the stuff that you were saying off the cuff is more important than what I was going to ask about. And that, that whole belief thing, that whole getting somebody to a point where they want to do something. Right, my listening style. Uh, I'm, I'm very much a doer, okay? So I have to temper this because my wife, I love her to bits. She's one of the best things that ever happened to me. But if she comes up and says, don't you hate it when? Okay, and then she wants to, she wants to say that she hates something. And what she actually wants is somebody to listen and agree and empathize and understand, okay? Whereas as soon as the when happens, my brain goes, which bit are we gonna fix? And I'm waiting for that, give me the instruction, give me the instruction, I'll go fix. But that's not what she needs most of the time. No. And it's really hard because the brain is hardwired to solve problems. It likes it. You know, I can be useful here. I could be helpful. They're going to love me. Yeah. Um, and, and it's great that you, if you can identify, but just to, to give you some sort of, a, give yourself a bit of a off the hook kind of thing. It is hard because you're trying to reprogram your reaction, which is a default mechanism. Um, and it's, yeah, and it's important that you know it. And I'm sure there'll be times when she's talking and she suddenly changed, but she do want, does want you to fix it. She wants you to do something about it, but we don't often, <laughs> we don't recognize I'm a good venter. I, I'm an external process. Well, I'll talk and talk and talk and talk. And my husband is really good at sitting there going, and he doesn't take offense. He doesn't get upset. He just lets me go off and, he, and then he'll go, so like, you're all right now. And then other times I'll be going, blah, 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 blah. And then he doesn't say anything. Oh, for goodness sake. And I'm like, I haven't told him that I've transitioned from that venting and I'm just downloading. I was like, now I actually want you to ask me a question or I want you to look like you're interested or I want you to tell me what you think. Or it's like, but my natural default, how I naturally go and how we naturally listen. Luckily we're at the, it works most of the time, but occasionally I'll, um, I'll well, not so much now because I know about it, but I used to change my tact. And it was only when I didn't get the reaction I wanted that I realized, oh, I don't want that kind of listening today. I need you to actually ask me a question. So we did have two questions written down for a long time. And I said, like, if I'm whinging about something and I keep repeating a story about what's not working, just say, darling, what would you like to have happen? And then I can talk about what I want rather than what I don't want. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I need, right, I need to write that one. Darling, got it, got it have happened jesse i think that every single man in the world needs to listen to this the amount of times in our training programs that people have gone back and said i think that question has saved my marriage um but it yeah. has to come i will say it has to come from that, with a place of curiosity but i also don't forget the sort of like the puppy tilt what would you like to have happen not what would you like to have happen then it's the tone and the pace and everything else you do it's like you have to genuinely go you have to acknowledge that you've heard what they said. We call it um, exceptioning and extending. Yeah. So you don't just repeat it. You sort of acknowledge what they have said and like that, you know, yeah, and that's tough. So what would you like to have happen? And it, it can it can just switch their attention. Sometimes what they'd like to have happen is to repeat that story all over again and tell you all over it because, but and that's, that's what might happen several times. Yeah, and sometimes um, what they want is a cuddle. It, it's just a, I've got you. You know, yeah. and and what you just said about the tonality and the way the same words can be used, but the meaning behind them is so completely different. Now, 
something on that that I love and hate all at the same time is text. If you are speaking through the written word, uh, email, text on your phone, WhatsApp, pinging messages, the person reading it will only hear it in their frame of mind at that moment. Now, exactly what you just said there, what would you like to have happen with the head tilt and the love coming from you is a brilliant statement. However, if I'm stood up and I've got my hands on my hips and I go, well, what would you like to have happen? That's yeah. going to kick off a whole different conversation. And even the pace, one of the things we do in the training is we get people to practice asking questions at different speeds and actually getting their partners to just acknowledge, this might sound like a weird term, but where did the question land? So if I was imagine we're face to face and I say to you, what would you like to have happen? Can you notice where the question lands? Yeah. So if I say to you, and what would you like to have happen? And so it can either stab you or it can you can receive this question that's going to sort of like, you know, be here to be. And it's but of course, when you're if you're in the oh, there's a problem, they're upset, your chemicals are all going in your system. And so you're more likely to speak fast and you're more likely to pelt it out. And of course, you're asking, saying all the right things, but not at the right pace or the right tone or, or even giving anybody any breathing space. And yeah. so that can be part of the challenge. The other challenge being as well, you ask them what they'd like to have happen and they don't know. And that's where I spend a lot of my time with clients. They know what they, they've got now is not what they want, but they don't know what they want. So therefore, they can't even ask for help. They can't even tell their partners or their friends how to support them because they don't know themselves well enough to know that the way their brain works, they need this at this pace or they need breathing space. So my sort of, sort of core programs take people through just making a decision. But the other part is actually knowing yourself well enough to know how you learn, how you work, how you want to live. Because if you don't know, so for example, if someone praised me, and it's going back now six or seven years ago, I, it used to really knock me if you were really nice to me. And because I was driven by wanting to please people, not wanting to upset people, the reason it would drive me is because you say something nice, like, oh, you're lovely, a bit like I think you did at the intro. My brain's going, well, what did he hear and see that's lovely? How do I repeat lovely? What do I need to do next time? But because I've got no evidence, I don't know how to do that again. So in the end, I used to just not do the thing I was doing before because it would freeze me. It would actually put me into much more of a sort of panic than a like, oh, thank you very much for that compliment. And so my job is to train people to pay attention and collect the evidence um, and, and get a community of people around you that don't mind you asking questions. Because if I said to, if someone gives you a compliment and you go, so what makes you, what, what says I'm lovely? And people go, oh, for goodness sake, just, just receive the compliment, why don't you? And it's like, well, I'm trying to receive it, but lovely, I don't get what it is about me that you think is lovely. And if you yeah. can tell me what yeah. you heard and saw, I go, ah, oh, for Paul, the fact that I did X, Y, and Z, that means lovely to him. Oh, my husband doesn't think that's lovely. He doesn't like me doing that. He doesn't call that lovely. Or my friend doesn't think that's lovely. But I know then with Paul, this is lovely. And most of us assume that the words that we're using, everybody's got the same definition and the same experience, and we don't. No. Um, and so I just actually worked with a client today, actually, who's, um, she really like, needs to ask questions, and her, her partner doesn't like being asked questions. 
So how do you get any clarity? How do you get any understanding when you've got someone who's she's consistently asking questions? Well, part of my advice to her was that your need for questions may come from that it means you don't have to think about yourself. The problem is over there and you're, because if you're the listener, you can hide behind the listening and ask loads of questions and help everybody else. So I said, wow. How about if I work with you and you, your development task is you learn not to ask him so many questions and just let him be himself because he doesn't want to ask. You know, it's not that he doesn't love her, he, um, but um, my husband is also the same. If they're dyslexic, for example, they can't have, they don't have short memory call, they don't remember it. So when you ask them how they're feeling or you ask them about something that happened, they're like, empty, nothing here. But if you then pile that on with at school, when you can ask questions, you're told you're stupid, that is a massive impact on somebody's confidence. Every time you ask them questions, they can't answer. So I have to take people on a journey where they, first of all, get comfortable with me asking them lots of questions and then also educating them that you don't just go out and ask people loads of questions because it, they forget what I took them on on a journey to get comfortable with this question in malarkey. And it's very easy to question people to avoid having the attention put on you. See, I, I talk with someone like you and I'm, it, it makes me recall conversations I've had with friends and people I love to bits. And you just kind of go, ah, I see that. And oh my word, he did this. And one of, uh, one of my buddies, one of my closest, but I won't say if it's a he or a she, it's not fair on them. Um, they react to everything defensively now i fully know what what do you hear and see that you call defensively um so so if uh there's one this was the weirdest conversation i've ever had with another human being but it was funny and me and this person are close enough for this conversation and it's not a conversation you normally ask people but my brain is curious okay so i asked how many sheets of toilet roll they use in the toilet. The response uh, was scared rabbit eyes, like rabbit caught in headlight. Um, why do you need to know that? I don't understand why you need to know that. I, I don't waste anything and I don't know. I was like, well, no, no, it's, it's just a question because most adults won't ask each other that kind of question. And I'm wondering if in one way I might be normal as society sees it. But they had gone so panicky that I'd asked a question from complete left field that they, do you know what? Honestly, it nearly turned into fisticuffs over how many bits of toilet roll do you use? So what I'm hearing there is that he's saying, you know, why are you asking the question? So I always say when it's about chatting with purpose, it's like when you start asking questions, Often people ask questions without actually knowing their purpose. And sometimes it's just pure curiosity. Like, do you know what? I'm just fascinated how many people, how much, oh, but there's no, there's not necessarily been a story where someone's told me that I'm weird because I use so much. So how many do you use? There's no backstory or context. It's just a question. So the first thing is like, why are you asking? And the second thing is, I don't waste. So he's obviously got some story that he's been working on not wasting paper and therefore assumes that this is coming from a judgmental perspective that you know papers being wasted there hence the defensiveness that comes back down to us did we were we clear before we start talking what our purpose is and often whether we're speaking or we're asking questions or giving feedback most of us as humans 
open our mouth about thinking. And this I is brilliant. You're a mind reader. That is awesome. That's just awesome. Um, right. So the defensiveness came from um, his his or her parents. It, it is an assumption on my part. I'm just making it up based on lots of people I've listened to. And yeah. if I was working with them, I'd want I'd. I'm, that's what I'm inferring from what I've heard. And it the thing is, is I, I've I've learned so much about this person because of this random conversation that actually um, his parents used to have a go at him and his brother all the time for wasting stuff. Um, financially, he's doing better than his parents ever were. So it's not a problem money-wise. But if you're in his house, almost everything paper-based is recycled which it just blows my mind that from a kid growing up, getting moaned at a lot by his parents, there's, there's other stories there as well. But from that has turned into as a- We'll keep it there though, won't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? From that one conversation, yeah, I learned I think that's so much. Been, some of the reasons, sorry to talk ideas, some of the reason people don't go and um, get professional listeners is because there is always an assumption that it's going to be to childhood or a trauma and stuff like that. So if I leave one thing is just remember there are things like coaching where you can just go, I'm not happy with how I'm behaving and I'd like to be different going forward. I'd like to change that behavior. And you don't have to go through that yep. stuff if you're not going back over things. Um, and these things form in us without us knowing. And some sometimes it's just nice to go, oh, that's interesting. So I, I actually, I'm going off on one of my tangents then and I'm just aware of time. Um, <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, honestly. As long but, as at about three minutes I ask you for a nugget, everyone will be happy, we're okay. Yeah, well, and, and, and the reason I, I'm quite happy to tell my stories and obviously my clients do this as well, but sometimes it's really worth going back and visiting those things. I had a, in a session I was in as a client with my coach um, just a couple of weeks ago now, um, a 14 year old version of me showed up and I was like, talk, you know, talking about this experience when I was 14. And I realized that um, when I used to, when I was trying to process stuff, if I've got a lot of going, I actually withdraw. I'm quite introverted and I need to be on my own and be quiet. But my parents used to think I was sulking. So they complained to me because I was sulking. Of course, then if you try and talk to me when I'm, all my chemicals are going and I've got all, you know, everything's going on, I then say things that aren't very nice. Then I get told off for saying things that are wrong. So then you're like, well, if I sulk, I'm wrong. If I talk, I'm wrong. And like, then you don't really know how you're supposed to behave. And, it, and it's a real, really formed a lot of how I showed up in the world. And my parents were great parents. Don't get me wrong. They're lovely people. They were, I was brought up in a really gender neutral places. I was always allowed and encouraged to do anything because, you know, as a female thing, there was nothing holding me back. And my mum was very sensitive like me. And so if she saw somebody upset, it upset her. And so she was trying to fix it and trying to get me to talk. And then, of course, I spoke and then I didn't say what she wanted to hear. So that upset her. So we were in this bind and we were in that bind right up until um, she passed away. In fact, the bit of my story I missed out is I signed up in May for the coaching and my mum got diagnosed in September when I started my area manager job with terminal cancer. And she passed away in the November. And in that period of time between September and November, it was the only time in our adult relationship that we knew how to listen to each other. She had the motivation because time was running out. Yeah. I had the motivation and the skills because time was running out. If I hadn't been trained in that coaching, that little bit of time I had already, I, instead of asking her going, why did you do that to me? I went, so how did you cope with three kids? I like, wanted to learn from her. I wanted to know what she had to do. You know, what could I get all these nuggets from her before she was, you know, before my time was run out. And by the end of those few months, I find, I went from, I used to know logically I was loved. 
but I yeah. didn't feel loved because every time I was being me, I was being corrected and told to be something else. So I didn't feel accepted for who I was. Um, you know, I was, I was too sensitive. I took things too personally. So me being me was not okay. And by the end of it, she said to me, I'm so sorry that I've never talked to you about your businesses. I've never talked to you about any of your careers. She said, and I just need you to know I was jealous. Oh. And, and she had wanted to work all her life. And because she's dyslexic and she had her hand tied behind her back when she was at school, she was not allowed to write with her left hand. She had to be reading. Her handwriting wasn't good, so she wouldn't fill out application forms. And all this time, we'd had these conversations where I thought she was asking me questions like, how many times have you heard Paige read this week? I inferred I haven't heard to her enough and my mum's disappointed in my parenting skills. She was actually thinking, oh my God, I could have worked and raised kids. She's doing a great job, but she never said that bit. She just asked the questions and I made up stories about what she meant by it. And in those last few weeks, and I'll try not to bring a tear, but we had one night when I went back in, it's about three days before she passed away. And I went in and, she, and I obviously had my sulking face on. So she said, she's like, you've got your face on. And I went, now I'm thinking this woman's dying. I really need to keep my stuff. I nearly swore then, <laughs> keep my stuff to myself. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the big, big scheme of things, this, what I'm whinging about in my head is not important. You know, this is not important. So I, I'm trying to, I've obviously got a lemon on the mouth. And I don't know what my face looks like, but I was, I'm sour face and she's asking me what's wrong. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to, mm. she was like, come on. I'm like, mm, I don't want to tell you like this. And she forces me to tell her. And I said, well, last night, you got all of us around, my siblings, my brother, my sister, and I arrived and my dad was stood at one side. My sister was on one side of the bed and my brother, they both had one in hand each. And I was on the chair at the end of the bed in the hospital. So it felt like I was separated from everybody, that they were the family and I was over here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then she, she proceeded to give rings out and she gave me one to give my daughter. She gave my brother the signet ring and she gave my sister the maternity ring and I didn't get one. And I was just, I was so upset. I was, I was going, oh, I didn't get a ring. And I was in tears. And she went, you're the oldest daughter. You get the wedding ring, but you can't have that till I'm gone. Oh. And for her, it was so obvious. But for me, I was so devastated. I was on the phone to Mark. Why has she always got to leave me out? They always leave me on the end of the bed. <laughs> I haven't got a ring and everybody else has got a ring. And in the big scheme of things, it doesn't but it represented a pattern of feeling excluded that had been building up over years. And in that moment, it, it kind of like, I, I suddenly got this different perspective, which often I talk about the listening detective come to me to get a different perspective. And what I remembered after she'd gone is that night, the other bit that my brain hadn't remembered when I was in my pity party was that she actually was timing and every five minutes got me and my brother and sister to move around so that everybody had a fair amount of time to hold her hand. Now, this is a lady who is riddled with cancer down her spine, in her lungs. She can't get out of bed and hasn't been out of bed for about four or five weeks. And she's still timing to make things fair. The downside mm. is because she'd raised me on a fair value. Every time something didn't feel fair, I had an alarm bell going off. And so, of course, I lived in this very unfair world. Instead of just realizing life isn't fair. Thing, and my definition of fair was the same that everything had to be the same, but actually fair isn't always the same. Fair is what you need in that moment. Um, so yeah, that was the driver to become a mums and daughter relationship coach, only that I didn't know until I started that that relationship's far more complicated 
than just teaching someone to listen. So I've ended up training in conflict resolution and various other stuff. But in isn't order that amazing to... that you've been looking at things one way for so long and then somebody just saying one sentence and you go, oh, oh, I see it now. Yeah. That's and you amazing. can't when the chemicals are in. It goes back to a bit like you said when you said about going to the counsellor and she said something that, you know, if your friend said it, it didn't land. Part yeah. of it's because that when you have someone who's outside of the system, one, they often talk with a different tone and a different voice pattern. Whereas your family, your friends and family, we st we all start modeling. And as you know, with, you know, with what you do, you start modeling behavior, don't you? And copying and mimicking each other. I mean, no, so no. Yeah. Okay, good. good. <laughs> and so when you get someone outside of the system, one, they're not emotionally attached, as you said, and two, they often have got a different tone of voice. So your brain gets, when it's got voices it's familiar with, as you know, it, it tends to tone out because it kind of predicts what's going to come. But you talk to a professional who's got a different tone of voice, different patterns in their own relation, different perspectives, different life story, and they're not emotionally attached to what's being said. Um, it doesn't it doesn't impact their life if you whatever you comes out of your mouth or it might do if you decide not to be their client but you know mm. we're trained mm. that for that not to bother us and to deal with that separately in our own little drama corners if we want to get more clients but professionally it we won't show it even if it has impacted us we're trained not to to to, to give that out in that session and that's where the magic happens because you you get a perspective you just can't get and even I, I have coaches and I go to the coaching still now and I wouldn't not do it, especially if I've got lots of change going on. Mate, that's... that's... Really to do it yourself. Right. OK, I, I knew this would happen. I haven't... I've touched one of my questions on my bullet points. Um, everything you've said has been amazing and I've loved listening to you. I, I think, right, I need two promises from you. Number one, do you promise to come back one day when schedule allows it? I'm a natural talker, trained listener. I'll always cool. come back. And... Number two, that book that me and you keep talking about, you're going to do it, right? Oh, it is being done. I revisited it at the weekend. Yes, it yes. is going to happen. Right, the last thing I have to ask you, and I am pressed for time, so I'm so sorry about that. What is your one Newton's nugget of information that you think would help everyone that listens or watches this? If you find yourself complaining that other people are not listening to you, check first and foremost are you listening to yourself oh oh i've just seen jesse's reaction to that as well oh that hits hard i love that mate thank you so much for coming on you are thank absolutely you. awesome and in my world that means you're just one of those lovely people that hopefully someday soon i'm going to give you a big poorly hug okay um, can't wait when we're allowed to again, mate, there is a massive poorly hug waiting for you. Today, we have a quick advert for Genio Accountants. Now, their website is www.genio-accountants.co.uk. They do everything from sole trader accounts to massive incorporations. They do payroll for you. They do partnership accounts. They even do limited company accounts. And do you know what? They were one of the first companies to jump onto our crowdfunder and give us the support we needed to carry on. So I tell you what, if you need help with your accounts and you don't know who to call, don't call Ghostbusters, call Genia. We'll put their website up just about here somewhere. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. Newton's Nuggets.
Okay, so it's us two again. You're back with me and Jessie. Again, wasn't I right? Wasn't yeah. she lovely? She is, ah, uh, mate, I... Do you know what? I could spend so much time chatting with her. Um, I think our new rule on we, we only do one recording session to try and nail an episode is right. But seriously, we could have stayed chatting with her for three hours easily. Well, I messaged you during it saying, if you really need to, if you really want to, then I was, I was enthralled enough that I was happy to carry on. But it makes sense that we cut it and then we can have her on two or three more times because I think people will watch it. Yeah, yeah, so do I. And, uh, and we had to do another recording within half an hour of finishing Cheryl's one. Yeah. So we had to stop and... and and, and so our process is we stop, we download everything, we get everything safe and secure, we make sure we can both get access to it, and then we carry on with the next one. I honestly I thought we couldn't we wouldn't have had time. Um, no. and being blatantly honest, I'm looking forward to inviting her back. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's, she's um good. she reminded me of someone and I can't think of the name name of her for the life of me but she's reminded me of a stand-up comedian I'll say she's on the back of a book on your book case i will not be impressed <laughs> i think she might be on the front of that book on my bookcase um no she reminded me oh, okay. of that's <laughs> a big picture of her looking at you <laughs> yeah um she she reminded me of this stand-up comedian and the reason why she reminded me is two things one she had very interesting things to say and secondly she was very yeah. open and honest about herself and i think that's part of the reason why i think people because she feels almost comfortable to allow herself to be vulnerable i think that would make yeah. you feel feel more comfortable to open up to her yeah and something that i love that she said and me and you have talked about this privately before is yes she's a coach yes she helps people but she has a coach as well yeah she she goes to someone for help with herself and her business um i see far too many coaches thinking they've got to be the be-all and end-all and they've got to do it all by themselves, it, it just doesn't work. I had some mentoring training um, about a year ago. Um, and one of the first things that that mentor, so she is a mentor, but she also teaches people to be mentors. One of the first things she said is that she's had a mentor for most of her life, same person. Um, and all that mentoring and coaching and all of that sort of thing, they're, they've all got different skill sets, are all slightly different, but they all have very, um, they all have very different particular reasons for being, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But their the style I, is similar. So, yeah. Right, if you're thinking about being a coach or if you are a coach and you're not sure what's going on and why, do you know what? Get in touch with Cheryl. Why not? I mean, we love her to bits and she's one of our sponsors. 
just get in touch with Cheryl. Make it easy. So, anything you want to talk to talk about where with step by step or anything that because you did say in the chat that there was a couple of things you wanted to talk about. Oh, just it clarified a few things to me. Things I hadn't even really thought about, to be honest. Um, I wasn't very confident as a child. In fact, I don't think I was very confident until the last few years, really. I've sort of grown into myself over the last few years. But one thing that somebody said to me at school once was that I never answer a question. I always answer a question with the word why. And so somebody would ask me a question and my immediate response was, and it was kind of what Cheryl was talking about, that I wanted to know the backstory, why they were asking the question, everything about it. I wanted to really understand why they were asking me something. And part of that was trust. Part of that was fear. Part of it was just because I, I think context makes such a big difference in things. And I know you talked about that with Cheryl with things like the tone of voice when you type something. And I think it's really interesting because yeah. actually that's kind of who I've become, um, you know, with the marketing work and, you know, even the stuff I do with you is asking the question why and who and, you know, with all the marketing, why does somebody care and why should you or should you not do something? Um, yeah. It infuriates my wife because I'm always thinking about every <laughs> angle. She just wants a definitive answer sometimes. And, and so uh, that's something that I've all, I know that I've always tried to work on with certain situations. But it's just quite funny that I saw that I suddenly saw my life evolve in front of me while she was talking <laughs> uh, from where I was hey, when weird, I was, you know, 13, 14 years old to, to now. It was quite, quite a funny thing yeah. just listening to her. And the other thing that she said, which was quite interesting, which, well, you know me, I'm quite easygoing and I will work around other people's way of being. And I'm quite good at that. And I know some people aren't and they need to, the, the thing that Cheryl's really good at is helping you understand somebody else's way of being. And I probably let not as good as that because I'm so good with just whatever that I don't really need to understand as such. I'm all often interested. I find it so interesting, like Cheryl talking so interesting. And then it was funny because it, it yeah. made me think when, when I finish a day at work, because Jen's obviously working shifts, so sometimes she's at home all day while I'm at work and vice versa. And it made me laugh because Jen's, um, Jen's got quite strong dyslexia. Yeah. And what Cheryl was talking about, I asked Jen if I could talk about this before. <laughs> um, good move. Good move. Always good to ask. Um, yeah what Cheryl's saying about talking and I just reflected that actually that's how we are like Jen will ask me how my day is and she'll ask me questions and have a full conversation about it she's really interested in having that long conversation with me and but if I asked Jen how her day was the only response I can ever get out of her was yeah yeah it was long it was tiring yeah it was all right it wasn't now part I always just assumed that it was because of what she does. She, yeah. But she can talk about stuff without giving me details. She just doesn't. 
if I ask that question, there's nothing there. And she can't, you, now that Cheryl said it, I can see that she genuinely can't think of anything to say about a day. But what we found recently, which was really funny, which is almost a workaround, because I find her job fascinating. I could never do it. No, and no, one no, of the, yes, I agree with you on both points. Yeah. 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 Um, so we, um, you know this, I don't know if you know the TV programme Ambulance. Yes. Yeah. And there's another one about surgery or something. We've, we've both been sat watching that recently. And I always find it, she loves ambulance programmes, even though it's what she does all day. I can't, can't understand it really, but there you go. But she loves it. And actually, we sat down and watched Ambulance together. And it took us two hours to watch a one-hour programme because we hit, kept hitting pause. And I learned so much about her job because she loves talking about it. But now, and I can kind of understand talking to, to Cheryl now, I can understand her, her mentality that she can't just sum up a day yeah. in, by a question. She doesn't know where to start with it. And I know how she works, because if you ask her a story about when something happened, she'll tell, she can remember every little detail step by step. You know, if you asked her what she, when she went to New York with her mum and did something, she'd tell you what you, like, each of them had for dinner and blah, 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 blah. But she has to go through it chronologically. If, if I asked her what she had for dinner straight away, she might not remember, but she works through the process. She understands. Yeah. So actually, I kind of see it now that if I ask her how her day was, she literally has to tell me every little detail all the way through the day of what happened. And that's, she doesn't want to do the day again. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and actually, it, but watching that program together has yeah. almost become a little conversation starter. For yeah, because I can go, what's that one bit there? And then we'll yeah. get to the next bit. What's that bit there? Right, this scene that's going on, who's who? Out of the people that we know, who's who? That's really, that was so useful. Oh, and so she and so can literally that, go, that's Bob, that's Jane, that's Alfie, that's Brent. Yeah. The people you know. Yeah, and I know what their job like titles that. are as such, I like but that. I really get an understanding of it. I have been talking for a long time. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> but yeah, I, I Mate, think the you're point, allowed every so often. You're the allowed. point is that it was just, it was real epiphany to me that I can see through what, an understanding of how people work, how that would be really helpful for people to really, because people are different and people who are exactly the same don't normally end up together. And so whether that's in work or in relationships, so I can see why. Oh, well, look at me and my wife. Yeah. How opposite are we? Yeah. 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 There's so many things that we, we, we just meet on. Yeah. And thankfully, one of them is laughter. We, we just find so much funny together. Yeah. Um, and her nugget. Her nu right, I'm going I'm to read her nugget. If you're complaining that no one is listening to you, make sure you are listening to yourself. Yeah. Oh. I know. When she, when she came out with that, I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> There's a nugget. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> She's been lovely to us this whole interview, and then she just kind of kicks us where it yeah. That was oh, that. suit you, sir. <laughs> suit you, sir. Suit you, sir. Um, but do you know what? I honestly, honestly, I wish that every couple would watch this episode. Yeah. J just to have that light bulb moment of, oh, I get it. Yeah. Mate. Right. 
I'm going to call a close to this episode there. Thank you so much for your help, Whoa, whoa, Jesse, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, you're forgetting you're something. Absolutely amazing. What, what? What did I forget? What did I forget? What are you, what are you going to show off? Look at that! Bookmarks and, 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 gent. and our gold oh, crowdfunding oh, sponsor. Come on, camera. You can do this. You can do Eris, this. Eris, thank you so much. Eris, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. I still, uh, it still blows me away how much they've helped us. Um, are you going to open the bookmark? Are you going to open Ooh, it? I, do, we, do we open it up? Or, or, we, or are you keeping that a bit? I'm keeping that a little bit of secret in there. Ooh, teaser. Ooh, ooh, there's a something. There's a switch magnetise that goes around the page on your book. You know, whatever book you're reading, whatever book may be coming out start of December. Um, so, oh, no, no, Jesse will now show you how it works. Look at that. Yeah, who's up to it? My God, that is amazing. It's good that is amazing. We it helps that. if you don't put it around we the whole that. book. Hang on, let me put it around a page. Yeah, put it around a page, dude. Put it around a couple of pages. There we go. I get you to do product placement and what? You, you know, I don't do this. I mean, marketing's not my thing. Just don't <laughs> tell anyone. There you go. It's on a page, doing its thing. It magnetizes around a page, so you never lose your space in Sam Pierce's book, um, or you know, our or her book. new book. A new book's coming out as well. Yeah, I'll Keith put a picture up of that, of that now. And Keith, yeah, I'll put those that picture up as well. Thanks, Keith. And our one, our one, our one should go public start of December. Yes. Awesome. Ladies and gents, I said about five minutes ago I was calling an end to this episode. I actually am calling an end now. You lot are awesome. Thank you so much for coming here. Thank you so much for coming back. If you are listening on the podcast, go look at the YouTube channel. Near the end, you'll see the bookmark. There you go, ladies and gents. I'm Paul Newton. That is Jesse Lawrence. Thank you very much, Jesse. Good. Say goodbye, Jesse. Goodbye, Jesse. And goodbye from me as well. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Newton's Nuggets.